So this is episode 2 of Chat and Shit with Double Drop. The first one had Frax and Darwin, so a huge shout out to those guys for coming on to the show. Uh, for this one, as you've probably seen by the artwork already, I have Summerjay on, on the phone with me. Phone, WhatsApp, whatever you want to call it. Like, <laughs> How you doing? Ah, not bad, not bad. We got here eventually. I mean, besides the little... Well, actually, this is going on Spotify, so we can swear on this one. So, Good. besides the little <laughs> fuck-ups... I know, I was pretty slack. I must admit, I was pretty slack, and I'm sorry about that. I've just... <laughs> just to get my no, to get no, me I, motivated no. to do it, it's just like, oh my god. I feel like I've got so much going on with music, um, but we are finally here, so I'm very excited. I haven't done a mix in ages, so I'm uh, really, really excited about this one. Well, yeah, that's, that's the thing. I think we... With COVID, when it hot and everything like that, I kind of just finally like dived into music production after many years of saying that I was going to do it. Yeah. And you're saying have, having a mix, like, if it wasn't for my radio show, my, my decks would be just sitting gathering dust. Like, I'm lucky that I've got one thing a month that I can look forward to that I'm like, oh, yeah. I get to play my decks. <laughs> exactly. You should and have always have something to look forward to, especially in COVID. I think. Ah, yeah. Hunt, hunt, like, this radio show and now doing these podcasts and everything as well has just, it's, it's totally kept me sane. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I haven't really done any mixes, to be honest. Like, I spent um, COVID with no gigs. I spent it mainly focusing on music production um, because I didn't have those gigs and I didn't have to stress about sets or whatever. I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to really, really, like, hone in on getting some tracks done and... Um, improving my skills and I think that was probably a good shout and then now the gigs are picking up back here in Australia so it's time to get back into it. <laughs> yeah quite right I mean I've noticed like Australia is one place in the world that I am so jealous of not only because <laughs> you you guys have got sunshine now you guys have got gigs and the yes. brand that was UK hardcore I think it's rude to call it UK hardcore now because it's essentially essentially like Oscore, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah, like, I mean, the scene is really strong here, right? Like, I, I don't sort of know when that transition happened, but um, I, I basically... I'll tell you, it happened, it happened when you guys when you guys stole Technicore from us. That's exactly what happened. That's true, that's <laughs> And we're not giving him back. Um, <laughs> so he officially became a citizen, I think it was last week. So yeah, he is 100% oh, Aussie now. So he's one of us and we are not giving him back. Um, but Happy Hardcore sort of got uh, popular here off the back of the hardstyle scene, which is quite big. Um, and the HSU raves and sort of Pete from HSU started putting on some Happy Hardcore. We had Darren, which is quite a regular. And then um, I think, I don't know if you remember back in, I think it was like 2000 and... 15 or 16 there was a Bree Styles and Wizkid set at um, Knockout, uh, no Midnight Mafia and that was just huge, there's like 15,000 people there um, but it's all like off the back of the hardstyle crowd right and so it's exposing those people to basically a faster version of what they love and it just kicked off, just became really popular and um, now there's you know loads of sets happening at Massive and all other events around Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane it's really good, it's popping off and um amazing to be back playing in the clubs again with the coronavirus not being so bad here so we're really really lucky to be back in clubs with dance floors and 
just getting super close and sweaty with strangers, really. <laughs> when, when you put it like that, it sounds almost like sadistic, like something yeah. that's been, like, like, like one of those weird movies or something, but we all know, like, as wrong as it sounds, getting close and sweaty with strangers is a feeling that everyone is missing at the moment. I know, absolutely. And that's what I mean, like, it's such a, you take it so for granted. Like, I remember just being back there and some nights you go out and you're just like, oh, like, I can't deal with people. And now when you go in, it's just like, it's amazing to have people, I don't care how sweaty and gross you are, like, it's amazing just to be able to be close to you and hug you or, like, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. so good. And I had my first gig back when was it maybe like a few weeks ago back at massive and it was just a pure vibe like i've never ever in my life seen just the crowds just go like every track every drop was just like an absolute roar at massive it was just like the best feeling um so yeah i'm like i'm praying that you guys can sort it out in the uk and just get back to normal rave life soon because it is amazing Oh, don't, please don't rub it in. <laughs> but I, th- I think we've got, like, what is it? It's like three months or something to go. Like, you're seeing events popping up in everything. In with I see them advertised, yeah. So I'm just praying for you because I always see them and then I just think, oh, God, like, I really, really hope that they um that they come through for you because that would just well, be the that's... most devastating thing, right? Having a ticket for, like, I don't know, hard generation or whatever and then it just yeah. going through because of restrictions. So... Fingers crossed. Well, that's that's the thing. It's like it's like bloody. You want to be optimistic and say that these events are going to happen. We're going to get back on dance floors. We're going to be out enjoying ourselves. But in the back of your head, you're like uh, lockdown fucking three point yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It is, it's going to kick in. <laughs> and it's like you're totally optimistic, but it's like I was always yeah. told. Exp- Expect the worst and you won't be disappointed. Yeah, so exactly. I'm, I'm kind of in that mindset for if it happens, fuck yeah, we're going to go out and we're going to do it. But I can't even imagine then... the first rave in the UK, like the first hardcore rave in the UK, just like, oh my God, I would do anything to be there. I swear to God, because I just think the energy is going to be amazing. I don't know. You're saying that, but at the moment, I would totally kill to be in Australia and just... Just to experience what, like, even one of your smaller club nights, just they all look absolutely rammed and just, yeah, it's just a complete like you, you guys have out there what we had back in, I'd say, the early to mid 2000s, sort of. You guys have sort of got that vibe, and it's just, it's unreal, it's wicked to see something, yeah, hardcore. Hardcore was obviously mainly a UK thing, but it's wicked to see it just grow and become worldwide almost yeah yeah no it is like really good and i think we do have that vibe and like i said it's sort of like because it's a cross genre experience um especially at places like massive where it is mainly hard style but there will be like a few hardcore sets and it just gains popularity because you know you go from that slower hard style to just this super fast energetic hardcore and it just takes off um but I guess you guys had the multi-genre raves over there a lot, but it was more like with drum and bass, right? Like drum and bass and jungle and happy Yeah, I mean, you've, you've got things like West Fest and everything like that, which I've actually never been to. I'd love to go to one. Yeah, I would but love to go to well. you've got stuff like that, which is, it's got your drum and bass, it's got garage and like baseline sort of music, which to be perfectly honest, I don't even know what that is. And then it's got <laughs> hardcore. 
see that those so genres that don't mix here. So the drum and bass scene is very, very separate um, to the heavy hardcore scene. And well, I mean, you might find some smaller events where they have two, but I do remember once at HSU, um, Hixie was playing, and the like dance floor was completely rammed. And I remember him closing with. A, a drum and bass track that I absolutely love and now I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Um, Typical. I, I, it's called Untouchable, I think. Um, oh, and it was like It's like a remix of an AMR track. Is that how you say your name? No, it's... Oh, oh is it Metric? Is it? Unstoppable, yeah. Unstoppable. Um, I need to find it now because I'm going to... It is. It's, it's Metric. It's uh, Metric Unstoppable. Sure yeah, I, but I'm sure it was like an original song with Amara on the vocal. And yeah, anyway, one of my favourites. Like, I absolutely love it. And he dropped it. And I just remember, like, I went off my head, right? Because I'm a massive drum and bass fan. So <laughs> I was just like, this is the best thing ever. And I just turned around and the whole dance floor stopped. They just stopped. And I was like, this is so bizarre. And I was, it's because they didn't know how to dance to that broken beat. Because they're so used yes. to that hard style, like... And it's like hard style and like happy hardcore and so they just they all just look so lost and i was just i was so dumbfounded but it was like hilarious to me because i was going i reckon i was the only person in the room like fifteen thousand people just being like yes like oh my god um <laughs> so it's like very very separate here in that sense that they just um they just seem to, seem to be like a completely different crowd which is weird because i love drum and bass i would love both of them to be together it is. It's it's a hilarious thing to watch. Like when you're DJing and you drop a drum and bass track, and as you said, just people don't know how to dance to it. It's like yeah. they're just standing there, like just just having a little mini like epileptic <laughs> fit or something on the dance floor, trying to work out the beats. And yeah, that's is. literally what it looked like. It was very funny. It's, it's like their brain's like, I like this music, but like, oh, my, my feet just don't know what to do. Like, how, how do I process this? Because you can't, you can't <laughs> hack with, to it, right? Like, it's too, it's broken. It's like out of sync or whatever, syncopated. So, yeah, it's just, it was quite funny to see. Um, and I was surprised that he dropped it. It was a very ballsy move at a HSU rave to drop a drum and bass track, I must admit. Um, but I think that's why he probably left it left it till last, so he didn't fully clear the dance floor. Um, well, I, I think I think the thing with Hixie is he's that like well established that if he wants to play something, he's going exactly, to play it. Exactly, exactly. Like, that's much like, the same there's, as Dougal, Darren. I think all of those guys can just do whatever the fuck they want, really, and we all love it. Yeah. Well, there's. I've said this on so many podcasts, but there was, I'm sure it was Carl Cox that said it, like, a true DJ will play the music that you want to hear, but they'll also play the music that you don't know that you want to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Great quote. Like, reg, like, I don't, I don't even know if I've got regular listeners, to be honest. I might sound egotistical saying that, (laughs) I was thinking, hey, I've got regular listeners, but... The, the, like, four people that actually listening to this have probably heard me say that countless times and are probably sick of me hearing it, uh, saying it even. But but it is, it's true. I mean, if you want to be a good DJ, you've got to... Don't don't just stick to what's safe. Don't just stick to what, like, God yeah. styles or, like, Dougal Hicksy and all that's playing. Go search and go find some, like, hidden gems from artists that people won't know about. Absolutely, which, yeah. Which, which is actually a good little segue. Uh, 
is there any artists that you're feeling their music and people might not have heard about them that you'd like to give a shout out to? Um, I'm just going through. I've actually just had some conversations today, actually, with um. Do you know uh, Geo? He had a track played on Darren's new podcast today. And um, so he, I just sent him a message saying, like, you know, I love that track. Like he um, he tagged him in his story, so I found his profile and started following him. And he's just fired over a whole bunch of um, tracks that are just unreal, like unreal. So I think he's definitely one to watch that probably many people hadn't heard of and I had, had only just heard of today, which is really cool. So um, I love the, like, the Japanese guys that... Um, or the J J Core kind of guys that are over there. Um, yeah. You may know Four Star, who's released quite a bit on one. Well, some on 170 now on Electric Fox, who's actually changing his name, I believe, to his mm. full name. Um, I think he's gonna. I don't know how to pronounce it, but like his nickname is Tatsu. <laughs> um, he is incredible. Like his production skill is just like unbelievable it seems that he's come out of nowhere but like he obviously hasn't but it's just like he's coming to happy hardcore and being like yo like this is what i can do and it's actually incredible um yeah he probably a secret here we've got he's remixing one of my tracks that will be coming out um in the next couple of months so make sure you keep an eye out on that one um getty nice. as well is like one of my favorites from um i think he's in the japanese scene um he is, I don't know, just super unique and still really utilises that, um, you know, that kind of, like, almost like a dub st dubcore kind of sound in, like, his tracks, and they're just so mental, like, they are so yeah. crazy and mental and, it's, like, It's almost, it's, it reminds me of the stuff that, like, Jackazid kind of does, like, yeah. Getty, M Project, Jackazid, it's almost like a little sub-genre of its own. Yeah. But I love it's it. Not it's horrible, like, like the, it, it, just, <laughs> it just gives me this like it does. They, oh yeah, I know a lot of people say that there was quite a lot of tracks that I like in dubcore, but only because I sort of come into hardcore at that time. Like that was what I knew hardcore as, and then I sort of started going back and listening to the old stuff and whatever. So to me, I really love that kind of stuff. And so I heard Getty and all that. I'm still doing it, and I'm just like, yes. But it's more like intense. There's more like there's more layers going on. It's like. Honestly, it's so crazy. I really do like them. Um, and I've recently um, sort of stumbled across a hard soul producer called Subraver, who um, has done one or two like oh, yeah. hardcore tracks. And um, it's funny because just speaking to him this week, we're jumping on a collab, um, which is going to be fun. I'm hoping it ends up being happy hardcore. So um, I'm actually just going to start some ideas this weekend. So that is fresh nice. off the press. But um, yeah, he's he's really I think a really talented like underrated producer. Um, who else is there? Um, Stormers from Chile is a sick little hardstyle producer as well who isn't hugely well known but has like a number of releases um, out and about on the hardstyle scene and has played Defcon One Netherlands. Um, met him in at the purple. He played at the purple stage in two thousand and nineteen. Um, and also Max Wolf did a remix of one of his tracks, so... That's, um, that's what I was just about to say, I knew the name, and I could, like, I had that be the one sort of track, like, the, the almost cowboy sounding sort of, like, yeah. vibe, I don't know. Amazing. Do you, is it just me? Do you, do you get that off it? 
Yeah, no, definitely. I can be the one. Yeah, I just picture two cowboys like standing, standing in a saloon, (laughs) ready to go like head to head, like a standoff. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I totally agree. (laughs) Um, And probably the one I think really to look out for who hasn't. He's had one, and he put it. I think he put it. He self released it. Is Tambat, who. I have known for a little while um, and he had sent me a few few bits and pieces and I just cannot believe how far he has actually come in his hardcore like his leads and stuff are like incredible um, but he self-released his last track and we're hoping that you know with a bit of guidance or whatever he'll be out there releasing on some of the labels soon I really really think he is one to definitely keep an eye out for um, and go and follow him or look at his or check out his um latest track if you haven't already because it's actually really really good he's 100 percent i just want to say i know i know fine tambat's going to be listening to this because he's messaged me a couple of times all right and <laughs> on on the last show we actually did a feature where i did a little interview with him because i was that blown away by his Amazing. first original track like yeah. i was like wow I was like, Luke, I want to get you on the show. And he was like, oh, I don't really have enough music. I've only got a couple of tracks. I was like, right, well, I want to get you on the show and we can speak about your new track yeah. and you can introduce your track. And it was just, he's I just wanted honestly, to give him that like, air time. Like, absolutely. He's and such I think a nice he guy. It. He's a nice, really, really nice and polite. He um, has messaged me for advice and things like that. Just, um he's the kind of person that comes across as someone that you really want to help because he is so nice and polite so I just think he's got like the right attitude and he's definitely got the skill like I just could not believe when he sent me a clip of that compared to the stuff he was sending me do you know what I mean like months ago how far he has come and I know he's really really determined to learn um, and he's really really persistent so yeah I actually think that he's going to do really really well in the next couple of years um, if he's already putting tracks out like that as his first one um, yeah, I think he's 100%. going to be nailing it. Yeah. But one one thing we spoke about there, well, one thing you actually brought up there was the dubcore sort of era in hardcore. Now, yeah. I kind of want to speak about the evolution of hardcore here a little bit with... So, you said you got into it when it was the dubcore sound. Now, obviously, yeah. before that, for people that don't know... Well, actually, this is a good chance to shout somebody out who... A tragic loss for the hardcore scene and somebody who was, like, the term anthem maker gets thrown about a lot. But on my last radio show, I did a squaddy tribute set and I didn't have to plan the set out because every track that squaddy made was just... It was an anthem. Like, yeah, so... For anyone else to be called the anthem maker in hardcore, I think is wrong because like yeah. he defined an era of hardcore. So shout out to Squaddy, rest in peace. And if, rest in peace. If mate. you haven't heard, if if you haven't heard of his music or anything like that, go listen to it. But I digress. Um, yeah. So it started off with the 185 Raver Baby sort of sound, and then. Yeah. It evolved into it, like we had dubcore, then we had a bit of an identity crisis, and now we're at the stage where it's going between 160 BPM and 170 BPM, and yeah. there's a lot of hard style influences. Uh, what I wanted to know was basically what's your take on the evolution of hardcore, and how do you see it growing in the future? 
Yeah, so it's interesting because I wasn't around for the Raver Baby era, which makes me really sad because I just have heard so many good stories and just talking to all the guys about, you know, the scene and, and how it was back then and seeing videos and whatnot. I am a little bit devastated. I sort of wasn't in it then. Um, but I, and I never sort of, it's hard because I never sort of went back into much of the older hardcore, only, I think only because I was so, like I just love that modern sound, like, and I, I just would find it quite difficult to go back in the early days of me listening to music and listen to stuff that to me at the time sounded very dated. So I was kind of like, oh, like I, I don't think um, I like this. I remember having a conversation with Max Wolf when I was at, we went to, um, TLI rave together and we sat in the um, this is like when I was so new to the scene like very new like only maybe <laughs> discovered hardcore a year ago and um, we were sitting in the old school room and I think it was like Shooting Star came on and he was like do you know this song and I was like no and he was like, you are oh, fucking mate. kidding me. He's like, we can't be mates anymore. And I was like, but I don't, like, and I was like crying. And then the next song, the next song would come on and he's like, do you know this one? And I'm like, no. Nah. And he's like, what the fuck? Like, he just couldn't believe it. And I was like, oh my God, like I've literally missed like an entire era. Like I had no idea. Um, and so <laughs> I was really into the whole like breeze, like bang to me nasty and like all that kind of like, oh my God, all the future world stuff is just like literally has the biggest place in my heart because it's just how I discovered it. And sort of as the years have gone on, I've kind of gone back and listened to like a lot more of the older stuff and I can really, really appreciate it now. But I'm still very like, I, I'm the first to admit, like if people come to me and talk to me about old school hardcore, like I'm just not your person to talk to about it. Um, but it is interesting how it, it sort of moved from that sound into the dubcore era and I, I remember speaking to sort of Breeze about this a little while ago and said to him like why is it that you're playing more drum and bass and more dubby kind of influence tracks like in your sets and he said because I'm not I don't like any of the hardcore that's out at the moment so he wasn't really feeling the kind of sound that was out so he played more drum and bass and it ended up being like a more drum and bass influence style that was coming out on his label and then it sort of made the switch to the hard style and I'm just trying to think where that was maybe like a stone bank influence i think with like his leads and and that sort of stuff um and yeah just like it just caught on and i do really like the new sound um only because i like love hardstyle and i probably got into hardstyle like before i actually found hardcore so i always have that like connection to hardstyle so anything that's hardstyle and fast is like perfect for me um the only issue with the new stuff now is i think in my opinion a lot of it lacks the soul that the old happy hardcore had so like maybe they didn't have the greatest like melody or production or whatever but it had way more soul and like way more meaning than some of the stuff yeah. that's coming out now and um yeah i mean i may even be guilty of that but i want to try and always focus on writing a song like not a track if that makes sense so like there's a lot of songs that cut or a lot of tracks that come out that you just like oh yeah like that's a, a good track but like is it actually a good song like does it does it have meaning and flow and like does it stick in people's heads and rah 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 and like that's my biggest focus and I think a lot of the new stuff now probably lacks some of that soul and can same and can sound a little samey um like a yeah. lot of the leads are very similar and that stems from hardstyle because hardstyle has a very very particular sound i guess 
So, I don't know, I would really like to see some of the older stuff come back and as you will hear in my remix that's coming out in two weeks for Dougal, I've actually incorporated a full 90s breakdown section. So um, I'm nice. really excited to see how that will be received um, by people and if it does do well, I might look at sort of incorporating that more back into the songs because I just think, yeah, there's just so much soul and energy in, in that kind of like style. So I think some of it should come back and I think that's what you'll find is I think with with it progressing, well, I'm hoping that you'll start to see some of the older influences creep back in. Um, but I think it will also move with the hard style times because I do feel like they're very attached now. So, yeah, yeah, it will, it will be interesting yeah. to see where it goes <clears throat> from here. The, the thing you said there about like the breakbeat section with the piano and everything that you added yeah. into the Dougal track, I feel stuff like that is something that you don't hear a lot of in hardcore now. So no. when you hear it, it's like, it's just instant nostalgia and it's just... Yeah. Like, to, to people that haven't listened to the music, it's something new. But to people that have listened to the music for so long, it's, ah, uh, yeah, we're fine. We're, yeah, we're, we're going back to this. And all, all around, it's just a win-win. Um, I think it just needs thing... to be stay modern, like, still stay modern. But I still think that some of that kind of, like, soul needs to come back into music. Oh, making yeah. a little bit, yeah. And, like, I, I mean, I... I love reverse bass and I love all those side drops and whatever, but I think I'm, I mean, I never made that kind of stuff only because it, I'm not, I'm not great at that. Like, I feel like my strengths have come from melodies and, and melodic stuff. And some people might say, oh, you know, the stuff you've put out sounds the same, but I'm also trying to like establish a sound as well, if that makes sense. So I want to establish a sound that people can be like, oh yeah, that's the Summer J sound. So that's where I'm kind of at in yeah. my production. Um, and I will sort of start to branch out as I get better, but, um, yeah, I still just feel like when people said to me, oh, why don't you make a, a banging reverse bass drop or something? And I'm like, you know what? Like, it's been done, like, so much. And I just feel like a, a melodic song will always do well because it's usually, if it's a good melody and a good vocal, it's going to stand the test of time as opposed to something that's just, you know, like, hard and fast or whatever is only going to have, like, a shortened or a limited shelf life, if you know what I mean. So yeah, that's yeah. kind of my view on I that. I, th I think that's one of the things, I mean, like, I'm not going to drop any names, but there's a lot of big promoters that I've got on Facebook and stuff like that. Um, I, I just realised how that sounded. I don't want to sound as if I'm in contact with them or anything, <laughs> because I'm fucking, I, I fucking am not. They don't, they just accepted me to be nice. But, like, you, you see some of the things that they comment on, and one thing that i seen was from one of the big guys, and it said name a track in the past five years that's came out that's going to stand the test of yeah. time and is going to be an anthem to the likes of like you said like shooting star sort of thing and i think that's kind of where hardcore's at at the moment it's that a little yeah. identity crisis almost absolutely and it's very one, funny one that you say that actually because i had a conversation with max wolf about this exact thing last night and it's ah. not that we're saying that well, yeah, we, it was just interesting that we were talking about how song songs back then they they do have that shelf life. You know those classic like recontracts and the old Darren tracks and all that yes. kind of stuff. You know the You're Shining and all that. But I think also what plays a part is yes, they are great songs that will stand the test of time, absolutely. And perhaps we don't make as many of those these days. But it's also that the 
um, music is so much more accessible these days. Like some of those songs were played only at raves and were on dub plates by DJs that didn't give them, you know, get, some of those tracks you can't even buy on vinyl, do you know what I mean? And so yeah. the only time people would hear them is at raves or on those tape packs. So they became super rare and like hard to play all the time. Whereas when I hear a song that comes out, I played about 450 times at the gym in a row because I love it so much. And then in three weeks, <laughs> I'm like completely sick of it. Do you know what I mean? And I think the accessibility to music and the how it's so music is so disposable, which is such a shame. I think it will is, affect. It doesn't have. Yeah. It, it, it would just affect the like loud. It, yeah, exactly, and it's going to affect that kind of like. Well, it can't really be an anthem because it is so accessible and so disposable. And you know what? It may become an anthem in 20 years' time when people have forgotten about it and then go, oh, yeah, shit, like, that was a really, really good song. But I think you it's hard to compare, like, it's almost like comparing apples to oranges because of the environment. Like, <laughs> yeah, some of these songs might actually have been anthems had they been released, like, 20 years ago. But just because they are so easily played and overplayed, like, it kind of ruins the vibe. But I do think as well, like, the song, like I said before the song structure and like what went into them 20 years ago there was more soul and they cared less about production quality and just more about making a good track or making a good song that like is probably why they stand like a longer te test of time than the ones that are currently out at the moment so I sort of see both points and I think they're both valid really yeah 100% I, I mean it I think it really does come down to the fact of Spotify and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. you don't have album compilations coming no. out now. I mean, I seen something from Club Filler a couple of, like, months ago, I think, and it was, oh, he was like, oh, such and such track just got featured in so-and-so's uh, Spotify playlist. Yeah. And he was like, it's a good feeling to be featured in a Spotify playlist, but it doesn't have the same weight of and this is his words it doesn't have the same weight of being featured on a clubland extreme hardcore absolutely or a bonkers album or something something along it's the that ultimate compliment like, right like if hicksy yeah, puts it in his yeah. mix for one of the bonkers albums it's like the ultimate compliment but now it's like i mean like say all you've got is spotify and it's just it's and the it's sheer volume of sense. music that's coming out is like there's so much it's like when you see even 170 they have a release every two weeks now so they've gone from monthly to every two weeks because it's just there's the volume is just insane and i think that is always going to affect it as well like you might hear a track but then your attention you're being swamped with like 50 other good songs that have come out that week as well and so it just kind of like because people can listen to music anywhere you just wear yeah. it out, I think. Whereas, like, I remember having CDs and going to the CD store and buying them and then sitting in my room when I was a teenager on my CD player. And, like, I couldn't take that anywhere. So it was like, I might only listen to it for an hour and then my parents are like, surf, it's dinner time. And then it's like, you have to go out. Whereas <laughs> I can literally eat my dinner and, like, listen to music, like, the entire time in the car. Like, on the way to, you know, on the way to work, walking around the city, like, I can rinse those tracks to the point where I'm just so sick of them. I, I really yeah. think the environment plays, yeah. like, a massive part in how the longevity of, like, songs these days, and it's such a shame because they are very disposable. Um, and considering how much work and effort, like, as a producer, you would know goes into making a song, 
like for people to just completely forget about it in two weeks is kind of like, oh, okay, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I just feel like, as we said, I mean, music, the way it's consumed and everything like that, it's just, it's, it's killing it, but it's making it good as well because it's making it more accessible for people. But yeah, as as we move on, I kind of want to dive into how, like, so I'm guessing what came first for you was DJing, was it? Yeah, it was. So, so how how did you get into DJing? And one one thing I want to ask, and the only reason I ask this is because like, do you do you watch a lot of podcasts? I actually, I actually don't listen to anything, um, weirdly, um, only because I don't have time, my schedule is so heavy, like I travel two hours each way for work and I work full time, um, so on the train I'm either working for work or I'm using that time to actually produce um, yeah. or search for new music, so I don't often just get time to sort of sit down and like listen to a podcast if that makes sense. Um, I'm uh, yeah. a very like, I'm a very, I'm like go, 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 go all the time. Like my brain is just constantly firing. So I find it really difficult to sort of like relax and just <laughs> listen. I need to be doing something and I'm trying to utilize every spare minute to, yeah. you know, upskill, which is, I should really listen to more podcasts, but like, I don't know, I just can't seem well, to find the time. Maybe it's an excuse. I don't know. Pod- podcasts for me are a massive thing, hence why I wanted to get into doing this. But uh, obviously, ones like Joe Rogan, uh, a-, a lot of them that I watch are comedians. Joe Rogan, yeah. Two Bears, One Cave, with Bert Kreischer and Tom Segura. Uh, if one that I started watching the other day was Whitney Cummings. Now, Whitney Cummings is a great comedian. Great comedian, great producer in producing TV shows and everything like that. Yeah. But she had one where it was it was about feminism and everything, and they were going on about women breaking through into comedy and getting the short end of the stick for it and everything like that. Yeah. So obviously we'd already arranged this podcast, and I was like, oh, I was like, this might be a good thing to speak to Steph yeah. about. So I was wondering when you were coming up in the DJ scene and everything like that, was there any like? Obviously, because you're a female, was there any, like, naysayers and, like, negativity and stuff like that? Yes. Towards you? Yeah. Um, Al- so also, while we're on the subject of feminism, I 100% did not mansplain there, did I? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, totally fine. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I definitely haven't had it difficult, I guess. Like, I can't... But I do feel like there was times that... Um, I was, I don't know, I don't know if the word targeted is correct, but um, things were made a little difficult um, for me due to my gender. With the DJing, I was lucky enough to get booked. Um, I sort of started DJing in Brisbane with the Hard EDM crew and they were really, really supportive. The promoters were great. Um, and it was good because there really wasn't anyone playing Happy Hardcore up there. And so not only was it a female, which there wasn't many of, it was also Happy Hardcore. So I just sort of were playing the right things at the right time to be getting on lineup. So that was great. Um, but I did have some other people within the scene um, trying to, I, I don't quite know why, but they were recording on their phone behind the decks while I was mixing and I don't really think anything of that right like there's always people up there behind and then yeah. <laughs> t- 
telling people that I was like playing pre-recorded sets and trying to prove that I wasn't actually mixing which I don't really know why because I didn't have any issue with this person but there was messages going around saying she's not a real DJ she's pre-mixing stuff and I was like mate you can literally hear every single fucking clang I've made in this set like <laughs> I was I was like a beginner right so I was like fucking up left right and center and I was like if I was gonna play a pre-recorded set it certainly would be like completely beat matched you absolute bellend um, so I had I had problems with that um, and so it was I mean it wasn't too bad like honestly it, it was stressful for me because music was my passion and so I really didn't want that kind of stuff going around but I've sort of just learned to be like whatever like that's not my issue that's theirs um, and I also had a lot of people or a lot of things were told to me about people saying that I was ghost produced um, and that can only really stem from being a female and unfortunately in the industry there is a strong or a number of females that are actually ghost produced and it kind of sets a precedent that we're all ghost produced I think um, it's such a technical job that it is so male dominated that I think when a female does come through and it's like no I'm actually making my own songs like people don't believe it based on the male dominated industry um, and it's funny because I've seen other female producers on Instagram and I'm one of them, I can't remember the name of it, but her, the, you know how like on Instagram you can have like a title, like a like a tagline or whatever and her, her tagline was, yes, yeah. I produced it myself. And I was just like, <laughs> yes, queen, I love that. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it can be hard, but I've, I sort of stick to the thing where I don't particularly like being called a female producer. I don't like the term female DJ because it's just yeah. like there should not there doesn't need to be that like divide like I know that people there was a post on um, a producers group on Facebook the other day and everyone was like yo like hands up like the female producers here and it was a positive post right like it was you know big shout out to women who are doing this in a male dominated industry and I just replied like I'm, I'm not a female producer like I'm a producer so I've always had that mindset where I don't want to be segregated like that and I don't this is why I don't enter into female only mixes um female only competitions not that i don't yeah. support them a hundred percent i support more women being in the industry and i really want them to like start learning production and, and be in there but i just am not for that segregation because i don't think i think it makes it worse in my opinion um so yeah it, it can be difficult and i know there's a lot of other women who have had it much harder than me in trying to break through or anything like that I'm just really, really lucky. I've had so many supportive guys around me um, who believed in me and didn't make it difficult. Like people like, you know, Technicore and JTS at 170 and, you know, yeah. um, like Dougal and Darren and Breeze and all those guys are like so supportive. And I've really had no one put me down except for those occasional people in the scene, but they really don't mean anything. Do you know what I mean? So the important people um, are the ones that I get the support from and that's sort of like all that matters. But I try to keep a low profile and just out of that kind of like that drama if I can avoid it. I think that's that's what they say is it is like you're not doing something good until you've got people hating on you. Like Yeah. <laughs> like until you've got a couple of haters you've not succeeded. I mean obviously I do the radio show now. I'm from Aberdeen in Scotland and as you've probably noticed throughout this interview, we have the most horrible accent in the world. <laughs> no, I love a Scottish like, accent. 
Oh no, this is not a good Scottish <laughs> accent. There's 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 Glaswegian accents which have character. There's. I think the Aussie accent is terrible. Like I think I sound so bad. Like I hate it. Oh no no I, I yeah I hate the <laughs> accent yeah. But uh, but yeah we just sound horrible. So I started getting a couple of messages from people and they're like oh could you. Uh, the, one of them said you sound posh. Now, I was brought up in one of the okay, I wouldn't posh say I wouldn't say. Area. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I was brought up in one of like the I wouldn't say roughest areas, but it wasn't it wasn't a pleasant area. There was yeah. a lot of things going on that shouldn't have been happening. I was like, I am not posh. The other <laughs> one said, what was it? He was like, oh. I love listening to your show, I love your music, I listen to every episode, but I hate the way that you talk over the music, if you could just play the music it would be so much better, <laughs> and I was just like, I just I just commented back on it, I was like, thank you for listening to the show. Exactly, so and that's if, the thing, you've if, got to pick if, and choose. If that like... person's listening to the podcast, then shout out to you, because I'm speaking for probably about 45 minutes now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know, it's been a while. But yeah, no, that's that's what I mean. Like, I just, I wouldn't take, I mean, back in the day, I would take things very personally and I still do struggle with that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I'm an anxious person. I suffer from anxiety and things like that. So if I do yeah. get those kind of comments, but I sort of realised that if all if all I did was like put my head down and did music and did what I loved and then got advice from the people that I valued opinions on the most and stayed off social media and just stayed out of that I just found it sort of dies away and you can just do what you do and you know like if people want to say that I'm ghost produced or whatever you know I oh no that's the other thing I had <laughs> I had a guy it became an <laughs> ongoing joke I just remembered there was one comment on Facebook that um and I don't know some from some bitter person and they I didn't even know them and they came on a post of mine or someone else's and we're like, she doesn't make her own fucking music or something. And I was like, excuse me. And then he actually called me a C-bomb, like, out of nowhere. Like, out of nowhere. Like, he was... And I was like, hang on, what? Like, why are you just calling, like, A, abusing, like, a woman online and calling her a C? And then um, the comment he made underneath, yeah, we'll show us your projects then. And it became this big running joke. It's like, you know when guys go, like, show us your tits? Like, it became this kind of, like, show us your projects and, like... All my friends used to comment on all my shit saying like, show us your projects and it used to be like this funniest thing ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's the kind of shit, but it, it, it's like, I could have been so offended by that, but it was just like, I just found that so funny and it just became this like ongoing joke. And like the funny thing is I can show everyone my stuff, but as if I'm gonna fucking send my project to some dude and like give away everything that I've done in my project so he can just steal it and make his own shit. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I just remembered that. I had to tell that story. Quite right. But yeah, as, as I said, I mean, you get haters, but I mean, your workflow shows the talent that you've got and everything that you've done. I mean, it just, if anything, having haters kind of, it helps build you up because it's like, you know what, well, fuck you, I'll prove a point to you that I can actually do this. So, yeah. And as, as I said, your tracks and everything speak for themselves. Uh, one thing I'm, I was I was going to save this to get into, but one thing that I think speaks to the volume of your tracks the most is obviously. So I had JTS on three three months ago, four months ago. Yeah. I can't remember. JTS was on the show anyway, and he told me about the 170 remixed thing, which 
for people that don't know, it's like it's ongoing. The tracks are coming out yeah. now. Go listen, lungs are all fucking great. Mm-hmm. But one thing was, he says to me, he's like, so what it is is you guys have got a group chat. Everyone was told pick a track from the label and you can remix it. Yeah. And the th- the thing that I think shows how good your work is is that Technicor, who is well, Darren Styles is pretty much not left the scene, but he says himself that he's not a hardcore producer anymore. Yeah. He's a hard dance producer. Yeah. We don't we don't have Gamer, and Gamer was always a great one. So Technicor yeah. is the guy who has took up the podium of making great music constantly yeah, absolutely. Matters. and like for anyone that's listening to hardcore he is he, he is the top of the iceberg he is like yeah he's a main guy yeah but the point that I'm trying to make as I chat on and fucking as I said it's called <laughs> chat so all, all, all I do is fucking chat shit but the point that I'm trying to make is Technicore chose your track to remix out of the yeah. 170 remix thing which speaks volumes I was absolutely buzzing that in that. <laughs> yeah. I think it was just so, the melody, really, that he enjoyed. The vocal was was good. I remember getting that back and was um, stoked with that. But, yeah, I was, like, I at first I was kind of intimidated because I was actually worried he was going to do, like, such a good job that it was going to make my original sound bad. Like, I had, I had real, like, anxiety over it. Oh, oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. 100%, and I, I can be honest in saying this, out of the two tracks, I picked to play your one over his. <laughs> that, I'm, I'm not blowing smoke up your arse or anything, that is 100% genuine. I pick your one over his when I'm having a mix. Thank you. So. It, it's like, it's, I loved what he did with it, like I was stoked and I felt like I was so happy with it because it felt like it had a different energy, like it wasn't a better version of mine, it was a different version of mine and so I was really happy with that. I know he changed the chord progression in it, which gave it a whole different um, flavour. and Which is what a remix should be. Yeah, like definitely. A should be definitely. something like that, it should it should stray from the original. You want yeah. it to sound like the original, but you want it to be different as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I think he did a really good job in making it different, but not outshining like the original, because I was really like proud of the original one. So even though it's probably like look, looking back now, like the mix and everything is just like average. But um, yeah, I was really stoked when he sort of did that. And he sort of kicked off the, the remix Thing for the group so I think quite a few of them have come out already mine's out in two weeks so I don't know when this podcast is actually it's going to be out by the time this podcast is um out I think yeah by the time this podcast is yeah. out it'll be coming out just it should actually be either a week before or the day of your track dropping when's the, the podcast radio show out? will come out in the guest mix will come out the podcast is out 16 Maybe the 7th, depends on how hard I work. Uh, the 7th of May? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the track will be out before then? Yeah. Cool. So if you're listening to this, the track's out, so go, <laughs> go fucking listen to it. Go listen. With this this show's on Spotify, so literally once this show finishes, all you've got to do is go and type in Summer J on Spotify. Exactly. Fucking listen, listen exactly. to the new fucking Dougal remix. On repeat. So that yeah. I can get money. 
What, what is it you guys get? I, I remember, I think it was Styles that said in a 90s podcast thing, it was for Spotify, you guys get like, if you get, is it a million streams? I think you get yeah. a grand. Is that a grand or is it four grand? I don't grand? know. I mean, I'm nowhere near a million streams, so I wouldn't have a bloody clue. But it, wait, <laughs> it's not much. I think it's zero point zero point zero six eight or something per stream. It's it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, like, it's really low. Um, but I mean, it can add up. Like, it's, you know, if you have enough tracks out, it's going to be doing the work for you. Do you know what I mean? But my problem is I'm oh, too yeah. slow to get stuff out. Well, I wouldn't say you're too slow. I'd say every track that you put out, you've put the time in that's needed in the track. Like, I'd much yeah. rather listen to a track that's produced to its full capability than just, oh, fuck, I better finish this and get this out so I've got another track. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, like, I'm obviously in that stage of my career, I guess, if you can call that, where I want to ensure that I'm putting out the best quality stuff. Um just because I am still building a brand and like I, that's what I like I don't want to put out stuff that's like completely garbage and then put out 50 tracks before it gets good because yeah. people are always going to have access to that back catalogue like I want a back catalogue that I'm going to be really proud of um, so that's I've, I would rather take my time at the moment and then once my skill levels up I'm just going to start smashing them out quite right but you mentioned there, and this is this is one thing that I don't think a lot of people actually realise, and probably me included, but you said there you're working on your brand. So now with music and everything, it seems to be a lot of people, I don't want to name big DJ names, but if you're listening to this, you can probably guess who I'm on about. Uh, <laughs> A, a lot of big DJs, like, they focus more on their brand than they do actual production and yeah. making the music and, Jesus, there's, uh, I'm not going to drop names, but there's one of them and he's been making hardcore, but this shit is 100% ghost produced and if, if you're as big a fan as hardcore as I am, you know fine who the producer is because the producer is that fucking dude. <laughs> But people see, like, what? I'm trying to think of, like, way to word this question without. Right, fuck it, I'm just going to scrap it because I'm <laughs> going to end up chatting shit about somebody that I should do. Fuck it. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, th- this this is type of shit. Like, if, if this wasn't recorded, it would be fine. But I'm like, because it's recorded, I'm like, you're going to ruin any chance of podcasting and doing anything before it's kicked off. So. <laughs> We'll bypass this and we'll bypass, chop what's it out. uh yeah. yeah oh no no fuck it we'll keep it in people can hear oh. how much a fucking idiot I am uh, what what advice would you give to people to build a brand like where where should people really start because you see people and it's like people, I've seen people fucking selling merch and I'm like I don't even know your fucking name and you've got a t-shirt out like who the fuck are you have you even got one song out so where should people start for building a brand. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I don't know, like, I don't think I have, I don't focus too much on, like, branding as in, like, what I wear, like, the colours of my Instagram or whatever. <laughs> I think my, beca- only because I am so focused on my music, like, I can't focus on getting songs out, making my Instagram look all exactly the same, having logo t-shirts, doing, you know, having, like, 
hashtags and all like I ju it's just too much for me to take on on top of like a full-time job so I'm sort of picking one thing and like working on it and then once I'm really good at that I can then start something else um, but in terms of my personality I guess has been like I'm quite an extroverted person um, in terms of my brand and what people know me as I have not got a squeaky clean reputation I am well known <laughs> to get very drunk at events and talk shit with um, important producers and embarrass myself um, but I found that Hands when up, I, me too <laughs> yeah yeah when I started in um, oh like Darren Styles calls me the female Fisher because I I don't know if you know who Fisher is he's like an Aussie DJ and he's so loose and he's like fucking fuck fuck like he's really swears and he's hilarious so Darren thinks that I'm the female version of that because I swear so much <laughs> um, and yeah so I my my biggest thing that I had when I first started out and I'm blessed with is the ability to talk to anyone and so when I first started out in the hardcore scene I flew to Europe I flew to like the UK on my own and was started meeting people that I knew from Facebook in the scene and I went to HGID in Magaluf back in oh, fuck, I think it was 2015 16 something like that and um, basically just introduced myself to everyone. So I was like, up, I spoke to Darren, I spoke to everyone, just like, hey, like I'm Steph, like blah, 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 blah. And they just remembered me. And I guess it was because A, I was Australian, B, I didn't give a fuck that he was Darren Styles. I was gonna talk to him no matter what, do you know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> and they just seemed to have this, like they just took a liking to me because they had this Aussie accent, you know, I'd like just come across as a bogan and just like was a pisshead and like would talk to everyone. And it just seemed to work well for me in terms of getting my contacts. So um, I became quite good friends with um, Darren and Breeze and Recon, Gamma, um, and all those guys um, always knew who I was because of my like ability to just talk shit to anyone, whether I was drunk or sober, I was, I was sort of talking to anyone. And I think that is like really important for your brand. Like they now know me or know who I am because I was able to sort of go up and, and just talk shit, even if I was acting like a bit of a dickhead. I wasn't rude. Um, you know, I was trying to have a laugh with them and they could see that I wasn't looking at them like they were these big superstars. I was just having, like, trying to have a conversation with them. And by doing that and, like, spending all this money and going overseas, like, each of those trips were, like, you know, seven, eight grand to go over every year. Like, this is what I would save up to do and I would go overseas and I'd travel all around the UK for four weeks and Europe and I'd be, you know, making sure I was at raves. I went to like um, TLI. I drove down to a drum and bass rave on my own and like literally raved the entire night on my own. I didn't know anyone there just to meet um, Fantasy from SASASAS. Um, got yeah. to know him there. Um, but yeah, did the same thing with MAGA, went to all the different like UK events and everything and it just really paid off. And so like that in turn has given me really good relationships with these guys in the fact that I'm able to like, you know, send Gamma a message and say, or like I still send Recon stuff and say to him, hey, what do you think of this hardcore track? Like even though he doesn't make it and yeah, sort of get yeah. his opinion on it. And it's just worked really, really well. But I mean, I would like to not get so drunk at Ray's and not swear so much and not make so much of a dick out of myself. Um, maybe that's in like Summer J 2.0 rebranding or something, I'm not sure. But right now, most people know me as a person that says fuck a lot and gets really drunk at Ray's. Um, 
but that would be my biggest advice to people is I don't think it's that necessary to be focusing on like making your Instagram pretty. I think a lot of it is in your ability to talk to people um, and network. Networking is the, and I'm not saying networking like talking to Darren for a purpose, you know what I mean? Like I'm not talking to Darren so I can get something out of him. I'm talking to him yeah. because he's a nice human and I'm genuinely interested in him as a person. And that shows when you actually have a conversation with someone. And in turn, there becomes this relationship that you can actually benefit from um, by sending him music or getting his opinion or on something. Do you know what I mean? Or being able to have a chat with him at raves. Like, it just comes with the territory. But I think if you go into a conversation trying to get something out of it, being like, oh, I've got this song, like, I want to send you, I want to send you this song, like, he's just going to be like, fucking switch off, right? Like, I think that's yeah, really, 100%. really important in building your brand as a nice person. And I remember having a conversation with Breeze about this. With um, do you remember Michael Scout? Yeah. What what the yeah. fuck happened to him? I've, yes. I've got him on uh, Instagram. In, yeah, he like, stopped sh- making sh- shout out shout out Michael Scout, but like honest to God, he was like, like one of my favorite so producers. Good. So yeah. good, so good. Bye bye with him and like the track he did with Gamma was just amazing. Bye bye, and there there was another one that was on Future World, and I can't remember the hook in it. Oh, but it had Mind, such Body, and Soul was that's was like it. that's it's it. just my. It's still one of the, it's one of the tracks that I still play in my sets now, like still it, now, it, yeah. like it's yeah, an it's absolute still, banger. It um, still holds up. What what the fuck happened to him? Where is he? So he Come back, please. he's married <laughs> with kids now, I believe, and he just yeah. lost inspiration to be able to make music. I think. And just uh, it was just stressing him out, so he just stopped. Um, but yeah, he—I mean—he got—he was able to get his music on Future World. And I remember Breeze telling me this because he was a really, really nice kid who turned up to a rave and was just really cute and polite and was like, "Excuse me, like I'm really sorry, Mark. Like I just wanted to like have a chat with you." And Mark was like, he was just so sweet and and polite and nice that he was like, "Yeah, like I'll have a listen to your stuff," and was just ended up being blown away. So I think like people underestimate the power of being able to you know actually turn up to events that is another thing turning up to events yeah. speaking with yeah. promoters getting to know people not just sitting at home expecting people to book you because you've dumped them a dropbox link like in the inbox yeah, you know what i mean hun- like 100 percent. Yeah. it comes down to how you are as a person in approaching people i mean yeah i remember i got booked for a gig and it was darren styles gamer hixie Breeze and the doctor that was on the lineup, and it was yeah. me and my friend Weasel. Shout out Weasel! It was us two that was opening up, and man, I was totally blown back. I was like, "This is my like these are all my heroes that I listened yeah. to growing up, and I got to play on that lineup." And so standing good. behind the decks, watching them play, and I was just like, I was scared to go up and speak <laughs> to them, and then. At, a couple of drinks in, I'm standing at the bar and I bumped into somebody, I was like, oh sorry, and it was Breeze. <laughs> to to this day I can still remember what Breeze drinks and it's Jack Daniels and, and lemonade. lemonade and lime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever so he comes to Sydney I have to order him a, J- a JD lemonade and lime. <laughs> Every it? time, I'll never forget that. So we're standing at the bar and I'm like fucking hell, it's Breeze, I'm like, Jesus, so I'm speaking away to him, I'm like, oh yeah, I was on earlier, he's like, oh yeah, seen you, blah blah blah, good set, usual shit, I'm just like, oh, he's just saying that to be nice, and then Static comes up, and he's yapping away at us, and I ordered a round of drinks, 
and this is the thing that took me back that I was like, Breeze is such a nice guy. Yeah. He ordered a round of drinks back. And I was like, oh, bless how him. much? I was like, how much big DJs can you say that you do that? Like, you're yeah. like, oh, here's a drink. And he's like, oh, well, here, here you go. I'll get this yeah, one. I'll have you another one. Yeah. A round of drinks. I was like, fucking legend. And then we just end up speaking most of the night, which. Yeah, the and that's the thing. Really like, he probably just gets a bunch of people that come up to him, like, really messy and. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so Jaw I think it, it, swinging it, about from side yeah, to side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so it makes yeah. like a difference. If I mean, by all means, like ev- I'm pretty sure every single one of my meetings with Darren, I was drunk. I have videos of us in Magaluf, like me with my arm around him, like singing. They put "Save Me" on, I think, in the <laughs> club, and so he was like singing it and stuff. But I think it does definitely make a difference if you can actually chat. And I know not everyone may have that ability, like. A lot of people aren't confident to go up but i think if you can sort of like get the confidence to just have like a regular conversation that you that comes across as if you're not trying to get something out of them it, it's really powerful in like it can turn into like a good relationship in which you know you could get their help in the future so i think it's yeah, like literally 100%. the most important thing 100 percent, but as we so what we were speaking about before that was transition was DJ. So what I want to get into now is the transition from DJ to producer. How did that yes. come about? Um, yeah. That's how, um sorry. Like for, for me sorry sorry, for me it's quite a scary thought. Like I'm like, oh shit, I'm like I know what sounds like a good song, but I'm like, how the fuck do I make a good song? So yeah. how how did you transition in to be perfectly honest, like it's well established. You can look at your Instagram. You are not ghost produced. How yeah. the fuck did you get like? How the fuck uh, did you get so good so quick? <laughs> but see, that's the thing is, I don't think it's quick. I've been doing it for like five years now, so it's it hasn't been quick. Um, I started so I started DJing. I have a background in like I play the drums, bass, and guitar some guitar not really but mainly bass and drums and so I've always grown up playing music me and my brother used to jam like in the garage and all sorts of stuff I, I grew up around it my uncle's a drummer my brother's a good drummer guitarist bass guitarist and I'm related to I'm third cousin of a gentleman by the name of John Farrar who is Olivia Newton-John songwriter and um oh, fucking hell. yeah he wrote hopelessly devoted to you and you're the one that I want from uh the original Grease movie so it's not, I think it's very ingrained in our family, like a musician. And so I'm not trained in any means to play piano. Like I can like, you know, play basic stuff or whatnot, but I can, I can hear when something isn't right. Like I don't know music theory that well, but I know when there's a note wrong out of scale or out of key or whatever. So I can pick that up yeah. and that's sort of like all I needed. But um, I just remember, when I was DJing and I just thought to myself, you know, I was looking at Breeze and Stars and everyone on stage and I thought, you know, it's really annoying that like I'm standing up here and like I can't play my own songs. Like I find that very weird. Like I, I don't want to spend the rest of my time just playing everyone else's tunes. Like then, then what are people coming to see me for? Like they're coming to see me play any like other people's tunes and I, I it kind of didn't sit well with me. So it made, it made me sort of interested in production and because I knew I had some musical ability, I thought I'm gonna give this a go. And I remember getting Bitwig because it was the cheapest at the time and a lot of people were on the Bitwig bandwagon. Um, 
and so I got it. But I was sort of how I started on there was I would do like mixes. So I'd started doing um, studio mixes and podcasts. Um, I did a podcast with Breeze and a few other people. And then and I'd sort of with the podcast and stuff, I'd have to sort of change levels of vocals and like fade songs in and out and that kind of stuff. So I was getting like really basic like automation um, like skills. And then yeah. from there, yeah. I wanted to um, start making music. So I started the trend, like sort of the easiest way to do that was to do it via an edit of something. So I used to edit like hard soul tunes. I edited um, <laughs> uh, Techno Boy, TNT's uh, Digital Nation into just like a 170 track. And I've always had, so like Andre McCann, who's Max Wolf, he's like my best friend in the entire world. So we've known each other for as long, like, as soon as I started DJing, he was one of the first people that became friends with me. So he's sort of been there the whole way. And he would yeah. just guide me. Like, he wouldn't do anything for me. He would just guide me. So I would say, okay, cool. Like, I have this and this is what I want to do. And I didn't know how to explain it. Like, I didn't know how to explain certain musical terms. And I'd, I'd sort of voice note him and be like, like, how do you do that? Like, da, 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 da. Like, do you know? And he would just be laughing. <laughs> and he's like, okay, cool. So you mean this. And um, I would say to him, like, what would I do with an edit? Like, I have this song and I'd really like to make it 170. Do I just put it up to 170? And then he was like, no, like, you can't just do that. And so he would sort of say, okay, well, like, we need to swap the kick out and we need to do things like that. And so, you know, I would just do, like, the most basic shit. Like, it was literally so basic. And I would, like, get hardstyle songs and just, like, side like side chain out the kick and just put a hardcore kick in. Like, it's literally as basic as that. And then yeah. from there, I would just do a ton of tutorials. Like I'd be like, how do people do that? And I just Google, 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 practice, practice, practice. And then um, then I started moving on. So my first, I did a Morgan Page remix and I had like a chord progression that like was the same as the song. And I just, like did it and it was literally so basic like there was really nothing to it but again I would send it to Andre and he'd go okay like I'd send him a clip and he would go nah like you know the bass is wrong or there's no sub like this is what you need to do in order to get sub in a track or this is what you need to do to make sure that the sub and the kick don't like clash and whatever and he always he'd be like one little point one little point one so it's like getting better one percent each time he would send me back feedback yeah. and it was more of a guidance thing right and so you just, I would slowly just pick shit up. And then I would be at lunchtime in my break at work with my laptop and I would just have YouTube open and that's all I would do. I would sit there for an hour and I'd watch YouTube video after YouTube video. I'd make notes, I'd open projects. I would do exactly what they did just to practice. And then, and it was honestly like, I still to this day do that. I make sure that I have at least one or two afternoons a week where I just do tutorials. Um, yeah, and learning learn. like new skills yeah. yeah and each track I did was just a new learning thing like I would think something sounded so sick and I would send it off to Andre and he'd go nah sounds shit and I'm <laughs> like I would be so devastated because I'd be so angry at him like why does it sound crap and then but he'd you go, need that honesty from somebody 100%. otherwise you're going to be living 100%. in fucking dream thinking that yeah. you're making something good when it's horseshit. So yeah. absolutely and um so this, I, ha I found like a chord progression of an old song, um, an old hardcore song, and then I sort of changed it up a little bit and I ended up writing If Ever with that particular um, chord progression. And What chord progression was it, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, fuck, I can't even remember what it was now. 
I mean, a lot of them are all the same, right? Like the G, G's and <laughs> stuff are all ended up all being the same. But I remember it was just like an old MIDI or something. And then I just yeah. wrote, like, I would just practice writing melodies. And the thing was, because I came from a musical background, like I would know if something sounds crap. And with If Ever, yeah. I remember writing something and then I'd, I'd literally write something and I would just have a piano, like, in um, my door and I would just write something and then I'd send it to Andre and he'd go, nah, it's too cheesy. And I'd go, okay, cool. So I'd come back and I'd try something else. Nah, like, it, it doesn't, like, it doesn't flow, it doesn't make sense. Okay, so I'd come back and it would just kept going on and I reckon it took me about three months, no, probably two months, and I'd send him one and he was like, this is the one and that was it. Like, it just yeah. took me, like, time to play around. And then uh, when I started If Ever as well, I did. I signed up to Point Blank Music School. I'm not sure if you know that Ravine works for those guys over there. This, this is actually in my notes here, and it's one thing that I want to speak about, because obviously, yeah. like you said, Ravine, he's working for them in months, actually a year ago I think it was when I did the interview with him we spoke about yeah. it, but what I wanted to ask you was, what is it you're doing at Point Blank Music School? So I've just in? finished actually. How, how, how beneficial do you think it's been yeah. to you actually learning? So I think that was where my skills skyrocketed, so like I did if ever, and I, I can't remember whether I had started Point Blank at that point. Um, or whether I joined after, if ever. I'm not quite sure if there was an overlap. I think there might have been an overlap. And um, I decided to join it because I was just like, I'm someone who needs structure. Like I was finding it hard to navigate through YouTube tutorials because there was so much conflicting information as well. Like one person would say you process base this way and someone else would say, it. and I was like, I don't know what's the right way and I'm stressing out. And so I just thought I needed guidance and I needed a bit of like start to finish. And I could do other stuff in the meantime, you know what I mean? So I, I joined and this is where I got Ableton because part of the program you can choose either Ableton or Logic and I chose Ableton because I knew Ableton had like a lot of tutorials and I knew Callum Higby and a lot of other people were on Ableton and um, I learned Ableton from scratch because the first um, the first unit in there was like an introduction to Ableton and just yeah. by doing that I learned so much like I just remember having my mind blown when I learned about like the pan like each channel you can pan left or right like it was that kind of like fuck I didn't even know I could do that do you know what I mean so it was really like eye-opening to me and so I signed up for a diploma of music production so I've just finished that it took me two years because I like drew, like came out of it and went back in just due to work yeah. um and over that two years is just where my skills went because I was forced to I was forced to do music every single day because I had to do like learn about it and I just learned like so much about music and music production that I was able to apply everything I learned in my songs and so even though there, there is still so much to learn it just gave me like a really really good base um, in terms of like I, I had to make all sorts of stuff I had to master like acoustic songs and like I made like a really shitty drum and bass song and but it was good for me because it was like I didn't have that pressure of oh, like it has to be this releasable hardcore track it was just shit yeah. that I was playing around with and by doing that I learned so much and I really think like that's where my skills sort of like started to really take off so now it's I'm sort of on my own and um, I'm just more about asking people like how they process leads and um, how they process bass, what do they do? I just literally get in people's inboxes and say, fucking hell, that track you put out is sick. Like, 
how did you make the bass or whatever you know yeah. and it's just yeah. they, most people are so helpful they'll be like oh like it was this preset or I did this and this and this and then I'm like oh shit yeah like I could adopt even just one part of that and you know add that to my bass and then I have a unique sounding bass kind of thing so yeah exactly yeah but so would you say point blank is something that you would recommend to people to do and also just out of curiosity so it was a diploma to music course that you diploma did, yeah. of music production yeah diploma of music yeah so how much did something like that cost you to go in and do for yourself just in case there is anyone that is yeah. listening that's possibly thinking about doing it yeah definitely i well, I mean, obviously this is in dollars because I only know the dollar thing, but I was, you can, it's like a payment plan, so you don't have to pay up front. So I was paying $250 a month, which is like a hundred and, I think it's like 125 quid, right? A month. And it's not for the whole two years. The course only goes for like a year, I think. But because I had take, like I dropped out and then rejoined and stuff like with work, it took me like two years. Um, yeah. So I don't think it, I thought it was pretty reasonable at 125 quid a month but you also get 140 i've just done the 140 yeah our dollar must be like getting better (laughs) um but you get free ableton so you get a full copy of ableton live suite so so it's worth it alone just for that well yeah because i mean that's like a thousand dollars right so you get full you get ableton live for free and also contact for free which was another 700 and something dollars so i was like in my mind i was like well a i get a full servicing door that i'm not having to pay up front for and um i'm getting to learn like along the way and so it was just it was a no-brainer for me to be honest um contact for people that don't know and i'm actually one of those people but i think i know what it is it's a it's a set it's like a real life sampler so like yeah there's like all these packs you can get for contact like um, string samples and stuff and they're like real orchestras that have actually been sampled note by note um, oh okay yeah so all my strings I don't have any extra I haven't bought any extra packs because the contact packs that you can get are like $300 they're like really expensive just for a sample pack um, wow but, but they come with like it already comes with like loads of strings and pianos and stuff and they're real pianos that have literally been sampled like note by note like all the way up so it's like an actual sound. Um, so I, that's what I always use for all my tracks that all come from contact for strings and for pianos because they're just realistic. Nice. So all this, all this learning, everything you said that you've done, you've also done this while you've been working full-time, <laughs> have you? Yeah, so full-time work, um, the study as well um also like four hours of travel every day that i went into the city and that's what i would use my i would utilize that time to study and to watch tutorials and then most weekends i would spend maybe 20 hours 25 hours in the studio on either making songs or simply learning like just and i still do it now like i said i'm doing i've bought a um i think it's called production production music no I can't remember the name of the site now, hang on. Production, oh, Production Music Live, it is called that. Courses, and they have loads of different like courses that you can pay for, and they're just like mini courses. So I'm currently doing one on sound design because we didn't, we covered it very briefly in the course, but it was all to do on like stock Ableton. 
so we didn't really learn anything about silence and although I do know my way around a synth there's like I want to do more actual design as opposed to just kind of like editing presets or doing like really basic sounds so um yeah I'm currently doing that and I will just go through and just pay for one like a month and then just go through I think there was about 14 hours worth of learning on the silence one that I've got so that I think that's a really good site as well and so I just do that in my any spare time I have amongst a social life so with all this like it's it's a lot of work to cram in and everything in yeah to, to, to be fair I mean it shows if you put the work in your goal to get the results because your tunes actually speak for themselves but Thank you. is is making the jump to music production full-time is that ever something that you've considered because I can imagine that being quite a it's quite daunting. a risky it's, it's yeah. a risky, <laughs> scary like scary move to make but yeah is it's it, definitely is it something, something I've considered about? yeah and I've thought about it for a long time um only feeling now I'm feel only now I'm feeling confident enough in my music to know that I could do it um I the thing about me is I work for a corporate environment so like I, I have that stability of like corporate work and a corporate salary and right now I'm not in a position to sort of give that up so um I am just sort of working towards you know clearing debt and sort of sorting my life out whilst when all that happens who knows um and hopefully like in a couple of years time I may have um you know I may have be able to transition to just making music but I don't think just making music is going to be what I will do so um well that's that brings me to the next part of this question which yeah we actually briefly spoke about on Instagram was it earlier on today was it yesterday yeah earlier today I think or yesterday yeah yeah yeah. Uh, and that was it was like a mentoring sort of yeah. service uh, kind of like I want to I do want to teach like I really really yeah. want to teach and I think that would be that would come into play with just me making music because I think full-time like the amount of money you get from making music unless you're Darren Styles is not much <laughs> yeah. so I would want to look at other avenues and other stuff I could do but I really kind of need to work out what where my like skills lie I would love to you know be able to do mastering services mixing services and things like that and I'm also really interested in making house music as well so that's an avenue I want to um look at in the next like in this this year at some point I want to start looking to see if I can go down that avenue I may I may really suck at it so I might not be able to but I sort of want to make some other genres or like start making or start producing stuff for solo artists so like you know how you have like a singer and they might, you know, oh, I've got this song that I've written, but I don't have like the music or I don't know how to produce it. I would love to be able to produce stuff for solo artists as well as mentor and teach and, and all that. Yeah. So that will come together hopefully eventually where I can actually leave my corporate job. Um, but it's going to be a number of years in planning, I think. Yeah, I mean, a leap like that, you can't just... You can't yeah, I think it's a slow transition. Just be like, ah, this, this, this yeah. is going to work out. <laughs> And then suddenly exactly. it's, oh, I don't actually have a house anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, it I is, don't I think, that, damn it. <laughs> I, th- I think it's it's a scary thing, but, I mean, just think of the benefits that you'll reap from doing something like that. Like, exactly. as, as they all say, I can't like, wait. It, like, it, it's all I think about, right? Like, it's all I think about is doing music. So I'm just really excited to be able to 
to do it, but I think the self-discipline of running your own business it would be quite hard, so I'd have to get used to that. Oh yeah, 100%. I've spoke to a couple of guys and like, some of them struggle with the stress of having to like, advertise everything and it's just like, they just want to concentrate more on yeah. the the actual I work side of it. The, like the like, advertising of music and like, promoing music and, do it, and thinking of Instagram posts and like, I'm quite, oh. you know, it's sto- like Instagram stories comes really naturally to me because like, I'd leave. Oh, I feel like a dickhead when I'm doing that. No. I'm like, hey guys, it's fucking double drop and I've got a With fucking the- radio show. And I'm like, ah oh, shit, I literally I need just to talk shave. So much I'm shit. like, oh, I look like shit in half of mine, but I literally don't care because I don't want people to think that I look completely different to how I do. But um, I just like, I don't know, some I just love talking to people and so like I get on my story and just post shit, you know, when I'm at home and I'm on my own, I live two hours out of Sydney, so it's not like I'm always getting to see my mates, do you know what I mean? So I like that, yeah. but I hate having to plan content and like plan photos I post or like, oh, like it's literally such a drain and I just wish I was like big enough to hire some kind of like music manager who could do it all for me, but um, unfortunately yeah. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it is, it's, it's, it's a journey, but just like you say, the the rewards that you'll reap at the end of it once you actually do like I mean what is it to say find a job that you love and you'll never work another day in your life yeah like exactly fuck, fuck me I'm 30 years old I still don't know what I want to do like you I'm know 35. when you're in school like <laughs> yeah yeah but at least you know what you want to do I'm 30 yeah no I'm that's like, true what, what am I going to do I'm like what, what am I going to do <laughs> yeah but well, really it took me that long right like I only started doing it like five years ago and it's only been the past like two years that I'm like okay like I can actually do this like you know, it's not completely out of reach for me to be able to do it. So, yeah, it's quite common, yeah. I think, to not know what the hell you want to do until you're, like, over I th- 30. I, th- I think with age as well comes the, like, you can kind of realise that I don't want to do this because this is horseshit, but I actually yeah. enjoy doing this. And, like, you like you mature and you discover what you want to do. So, yeah. But as we, as we move on a little bit now, so I'm just having a look at my notes here and... <laughs> One thing is, so the the 170 remixed. We'll go back to pro- promoting your new track, which is a remix of Dougal's. Uh, this is why I'm shit because I can never remember. No, it's, it's not, fine. It was like, it, yeah, it was called "Take Me take, Away." Take me away. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So. The opportunity for that came about for you to remix that. Now, obviously, 170 has a whole host of talented producers that are sitting there with tracks that you could have chose from. What I want yeah. to know is, like, is there, what other tracks kind of crossed your mind to think, oh, I could do this? Oh, I, could I can't remember now. There was, like, there was literally three songs, and now I can't remember. One of them was an old, um, it was a Technicore and Mob track. I can't, but it was like an older 170, like one of the ones like way back when they first started. But I literally can't remember the name of it. I'd have to bring up the Ableton project because I was like, I had it in there. Um, but it was really only this one and and that old track. I think I I wanted to do the Dougal tune because I heard it and it had a really really catchy melody. But I knew that I could like make it more modernized, if you know what I mean. So. Yeah. Um, and I also, like, I just heard it and knew that I could do it. 
but also like being having the opportunity to remix a doodle like that was my first thing in my mind because I was thinking like that opportunity is not going to come around very often like if I had to just message oh, yeah. you and said you know can I get one of your massive trucks from back in the day like <laughs> I probably would have got a no right but because this was already on 170 and yeah Alf was it's like, there. you can it's basically choose whatever you want. I was like, I'm taking Dougal and anyone else touches it, I'll fucking kick him in the ass. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, like I took it and then um, he had to ask Dougal and Dougal politely agreed, which I like am really stoked about because obviously it could have gone badly. Like I haven't had that many releases. I'm not super prolific. So um, I'm really glad that he gave me the opportunity and lucky he loves it so i'm like really really happy with that so one one of the tracks that i was thinking about it when jts told me about it and i was like oh if i had the opportunity which might i add is never going to fucking come around like <laughs> any any time fucking you never soon. know like but one one track i always loved and i don't know if it was just there was something about it but it was technical in jts light show um, yes, oh my I'm, god, I'm what a tune! I'm I'm sitting here and I'm waiting for somebody to remix it, and I'm like, why the fuck is nobody picked this? I mean, I think it's Vicky Fee that's on vocals, and it's a beautiful fucking vocal. It is actually a really nice track. I, I don't I'm know like, whether anyone picked that. I'm like, why why is nobody jumped onto this one? Because yeah, realistically, like that is one of my favourite tracks that came from the label. Still, even even to this day, I think. It just has such a happy vibe. Like it sounds like happy hardcore. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it yeah. really is just like a happy like vibe tune. Oh, maybe I'll remix it one day. But I don't know. That's I have to be able jump, to like listen to that. it. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, sometimes I feel like like I have to be able to hear something and know that I can improve it. And like if I don't think I can improve it, then I won't do it. And and that's what I mean. Like that's already such a good song. The only thing I could really do to that is like give it some hard style leads, but I don't think that would really do it justice, kind of thing. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. It definitely could be one in the back of my mind, though. It's just modern, modernizing it. Is that a word? Yeah. Modernizing. Yeah. Yeah. Bring bring yeah. it up to like. Bass a banger. That like I love that tune. But yeah, so I'm going through my notes. I think besides the segment that I told you about earlier, which is this or that, I think yep. pretty much covered everything. The only the only question that I've got next is where did the name Somaji come from? Yeah, so um, again with that one, so I like I really wanted to use my name, so I wanted, but I just couldn't. Steph just wasn't like I could not get it to fit in a DJ name. I, I find it a bit weird to sort of it just doesn't work and um there was already dj stephanie right so um yeah. i thought i will i might use my middle name which is j j e that's where that comes from so um that's like a short name and quite easy to put in to like an artist name and the summer came from the fact that i wanted something that was feminine that sounded feminine that didn't speak and say that I was female, if that makes sense. So like, I'm I'm not personally not a fan of like the miss or the lady, you know, like the names that start with that kind of stuff, because again, yeah. it feeds back into that whole, like it segregates 
them. Like, I feel like it segregates them in saying, like, I'm a female when I don't think it's, like, necessary. I don't know if I'm, like, putting my foot in it, but it's just something that no, I was no, never a fan I, of. 100% get it. Yeah, and I just wanted something that didn't sound, like, too masculine and too blokey, but also didn't say, look, hey, I'm a girl. And so um, I had someone say to me from the UK, this was sort of, like, in when I was sort of starting out in the rave scene, they said, oh, it's like I must have complained that it was winter or it was cold. And they said, but I'm confused because isn't it always summer in Australia? And I thought that was like so funny. I was like laughing. I was like, no, it's not always summer here, but I can understand why you think that. And so I don't know, just, I just put it together like, you know, I come from like it had that connection to summer to Australia. Like that's what people think when they think of Australia. I didn't want yeah. people to think I was British or from the UK because I'm not. And so I just thought it worked really well. Like Summer Jay just worked. And I remember sending, I was sending a whole bunch of names to like Breeze and Andre and, like, and they were like, no, like that's fucking shit. Like no. <laughs> and then I sent them this one and they were like, I really like it. Like really like it. And so I settled on that. So it's like saying basically I'm from Australia. It's like sunny and like summery and it's just got inclusion of my middle name. So yeah. Nice. Nice. I've been through my first share of DJ names. I mean, I, I, I might actually try to build this up so people keep listening if you want to hear what my shittest DJ name <laughs> was because yes, it's, yes. It's, it's, it's going to come out in a future podcast, but I don't know quite what one. Okay. But <laughs> Steph, once once we get off air, I'll let you know what it was. But it was okay, cool. <laughs> but, uh, Amazing. Yeah, so now I'll go by Double Drop, and as I said to you earlier, it's kind of like, it's a good name because I feel like it speaks to my style of mixing, as I said yeah. to you, like, Gamer was a heavy influence on how I play the decks, Yeah. but I also feel like it brings a lot of pressure to me, because I'm like, <laughs> e like I said to you earlier when we were speaking, every DJ set, I feel like I have to kick off with a Double Drop, and it has to be a new one and it's got to incorporate a new track and it can't just be like oh let's play one that we played five years ago it's like yeah but see that they're like limiting beliefs up. that you're putting on yourself it's not that's not true you don't have to but uh, i know why you would think that yeah i just i feel like i'm like, oh, I'm, just, I'm like fuck if i'm not doing it now i'd be as well call myself single drop just like oh yeah D DJ, D dj press play fuck it but but uh, the, oh, this 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 isn't actually in the notes, but I'm going to speak about it anyway. So, with with how hardcore is going just now in the arrangements of music. Now, I remember, oh, how long ago was it? I can't remember how long ago it was, but I seen a mix that you posted on it was Instagram or something, and it was you doing a little double drop with. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was shoulder lock, shoulder and, lock um... and party don't stop. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I have a shit memory, as all my friends will tell you, but see, when I hear a good mix or something, it's just like, there's something in my brain that just absorbs it. Yeah. But, uh, like, how do you feel with the music going now for mixing and DJing? Like, there's not, I don't it's know. It's very hard to do those kinds of drops in yeah. the current, yeah, in the current style. Um... And I think that's why I do really like the dubcore era because you could like you would have noticed Breeze would have done like a lot of double drops as well. 
and yeah. it just allowed yeah. it gave there was space for it whereas there, there doesn't seem to be as much anymore and I mean I'm guilty of it like my songs are the same they can't really be double dropped but um, yeah it is a shame isn't it like I know that with Shoulder Lock there's a good like 32 bar intro that is just so good for mixing and the drop yeah. is just so good for like mashing up other tunes like it's just perfect like I so, Shoulder Lock is probably one of my favourite tracks that has ever been released like I just am obsessed with it and again, it's another one that I'm still I still play. But yeah, it is a bit of a shame because like mixing now is just very kind of like in and out of of other of other tracks, which can be a bit boring. Um, well, I think so. Hopefully I think that, that changes. Comes, I think that comes down to DJs. Like like I say, I see when I get a track instead of just listening to a track, like I analyze it. I'm like, oh, where can I set yeah. a hot cue here? Where can yeah. I where, where can I maybe get something out of this or even even take the track and chuck it in the FL studio and I'm like, right, fuck it, I'm changing the arrangement on this. Yeah, no, I do that quite so, often. So if I don't like a first drop and I think the second drop is better, um, I'd like I'll switch it out. Like I'll just put the last drop in at the start or like cut stuff. Like yeah. I've had songs that I'm just like there's just too much going on. Like it goes on for too long. Like just chop it in half or I do the similar thing with the hot cue. So whenever I get a song um, it goes into record box and I um, a tip that I learned from Breeze was that you put a cue point 16 bars before every, so every, I'd put it every 16 bars along the track but mainly 16 bars before a drop so and when okay. I'm DJing the little um, the little arrow so I do like I do them if there's like an eight bar you know how sometimes like on drops it's like 16 and then an extra eight. I always put it yeah. at the end of the extra eight as well. So visually I know that that's a 16 and that where I need to start is in the middle of the 16 so that I capture the the eight rather than it start at the 16, if that makes sense. So yeah, I put just so you points, know where you're coming out. Yeah, yeah. And so I put yeah. cue points every 16 bars in, in particular 16 bars before the drop. And then that way when I'm playing two songs um, or when I'm doing like a double drop, I will know exactly where to press play on the tune that's currently playing for the double drop to happen. So Breeze yeah. does the same thing. Yeah. I See, I my, my friend does that. He sets a cue point so he knows where his mix out is because there's certain things you can do on the RX where it sets a timer to go down. Yeah. But like I said, like, honestly, I can't tell you enough. Like, I wish I wish we could get Lee in. But I've got this friend, Lee, who's been DJing for years and we'll have constantly have conversations in group chats. And yeah. He's always getting on at me because he's like, you're speaking to me about something that we literally spoke about two days ago. And I'm like, no, but this, that. And he's like, and he'll send my screenshot. He's like, we had this conversation two days ago. Your memory is shocking. He's like, please go to the doctor. But with music, there's something where it's just... Like, I can... I can almost like visualize the arrangement of a track to where I'm like, right, I know exactly where this is going. I know yeah. it's just something that sticks in. Like, it does become it be does become like an inbuilt skill. Like as a good DJ, like you can just tell where things are gonna drop and come in just from the arrangement and the build up and things like that. Yeah, and I feel that translates into production because then it shows you that you can straight away you know how to build a track you know yep. where everything's supposed to go this is supposed to be the intro this is supposed to be that blah 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 yeah definitely. or maybe have a little eight or drop out but yeah i think 
ev it's it's weird how everything sort of accumulates with from I don't even know if I said that word right. Cumulates, cum cum accumulates. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> make up words. Uh, so it is. It's weird how everything sort of comes together and just like from DJing you learn certain yeah. aspects from producing and then from producing you learn stuff to make your DJing better. But it is all all round. It's just all linked. Know, yeah. It's, yeah. It's it's something that I'd never change and. I honestly just I love the music and I love what I've gotten from it so far so same it's very rewarding and that's the thing is like you know it, some of these tracks like I know if ever took me like a year to make and like one of my other ones was like nine months and I remember saying like it, it feels like a made a child like and I'm putting it out to the world <laughs> it's very very rewarding like even if even if like I was in the studio crying and swearing at Alf and telling him he's shit because he thinks like <laughs> one of my bits in my mix needs to be changed and I'm like fuck you um but yeah it's still like so rewarding in the end like me and Alf just like always argue at the last point of the mix down and like we always yeah. nearly fall out over every track and then afterwards we're like, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry, I was yelling at you. Um, yeah, but you, yeah. I, I bet you've kind of stepped back and be like, oh shit, what is <laughs> that I'm already He's so with. used I'm, to it I'm now. I'm pretty sure that he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, he's honestly so used to my meltdowns now. He's just like, I'm not even talking to you until you calm down. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's like so, so, so rewarding. I just think if anyone is thinking about it and really wants to do it, I just, like, I know it's a lot of work and it seems like a long time, but if you really love music, it doesn't feel like a pain in the ass. It doesn't feel like a chore because if you if you love learning as well, like I just love learning new shit. Yeah. Um, so it just always never feels like a chore to me to come in and watch a tutorial and do something. And then when you do do something, it's like, oh my God, like look what I just created. Like that's so exciting. And then it goes out to the world and then other people love it. And it's just like you're making a, your mark on the world. Like your music's going to live on forever. Do you know what I mean? So I just think that's a really powerful, like, Thing in life and a skill that not many people have right like it's just it's cool and i think i'll always do it yeah like i've i've had people in aberdeen and stuff like that who have they've quit djing because they haven't got they haven't got the bookings or they haven't got the recognition that they deserve but yeah, so they've quit DJing and stuff because they feel like they haven't got the recognition or anything that they deserve. And I'm just like, how can yeah. you quit something that you're supposed to enjoy? I'm like, if I yeah. never received another booking, if my radio show got cancelled, if the podcasts suddenly stopped and if people decided that they weren't going to give my gig, I'd still be playing my decks at home. I'd yeah, still exactly. be trying to make something. I'm like... If you can and that's the thing, that like easy, I don't think you truly enjoy it. Really? Yeah, and like the the difference between music production and DJing is that you can't really control your DJ sets. Like people will book you if they want to book you, right? Like unless you're the promoter, you don't yeah. you don't have that control. Like you can do the you can do the best you can do. Like what I was saying before, you can go and talk to people and attend events and like get yourself out there. But at the end of the day, like if they don't book you, they don't book you. But when you're making music and producing like you have full control over that like you can keep doing that regardless of whether you're being booked or whatever you can still make a song and put it out to the world for other people to enjoy like that's in your power and I feel like that's what is so powerful about it is that no one can actually take that away from you yeah it might not get signed to a label but like that's not going to stop you putting it out there 
like you can still put it out for nothing or charge like yeah. put it on Bandcamp and charge people do you know what I mean like I just think production there's so much power in it like so much so much power and so much reward um, like the feeling of release day is like the most like I can't sleep like I literally am I go to work and it's so bad like I shouldn't even be saying this but like I'll be at work and it's release day <laughs> and I'm like not doing any fucking work because I'm on my phone 24-7 like replying to people seeing what they're saying like do you know what I mean? It's just the most, yeah. it's like Christmas. Like, it's super exciting. And so I just think it's so worth it. Like, if people are thinking about it, yeah, it's a big commitment. And, but if you don't put a, t- you shouldn't be putting a timeline on it. Like, it, you should just be doing it because, like, exactly what you say, because you enjoy it and you want to learn new things and you want to make music. And if you make a song and it goes out to the world as a result of that, then that's amazing. Like, that's how I saw it. Yeah, 100%. For, for me, I think it's something that I've had to get into, like, just for, I don't know, it's like, it's, it's just something I've got to do. I'm like, it took me so yeah. long to learn how to DJ, I'm like, how, like, to, to a point where, not to toot my own horn, but I feel like I could rock up to a set of decks with my USB, yeah. and I could play a good set. But, but that's where I was at, and I was kind of like, you, you then need, like, a new challenge. So, yeah. it was, to it, me, it was like, it was the, oh... I'm standing up here playing other people's songs. Like, imagine the feeling of playing your own song. Like, and then it was kind of like, well, I need a new challenge because I know how to DJ. So it was like, yeah. this is a whole... And because the music changes, it's like you're constantly learning. Like, there is no end point for production. Like, there is well, no end point. Like, it is a never-ending, like, It's task. It's something that you're just constantly going to be learning. Constant. But- and that's the thing you see, Gamma, like he's constantly learning new skills, constantly learning how to do new things. Like he's, do you know what I mean? Like he, the people that do go stale and stop doing production are those that aren't willing to learn and adapt. But oh, if yeah. you love it that much, 100%. you will always learn and adapt. So yeah, that's what's so cool about it. Like I love it. I, I think the thing for me, like I said, bringing it back to DJ is that now I'm like, oh, there's traps that, like, oh, this could be double dropped with something, but I'm like, oh, I don't have anything to double drop it with, and it's like, for me at the moment, it's kind of like, oh, I can make, I can try, like, I'm trying to do a remix of Scott Brown Neckbreaker, yeah. I'm trying to do a remix of Darren Style Show Me The Sunshine, yeah. and I got that, uh, oh, what is it, the, it's iced tea, it's like, suck my dick, suck my motherfucker. Oh, yeah, dick. yeah, yeah, I love that vocal. So I started fucking about with that, and I was like, "Oh, I can make like a little DJ tool here that could, yep. like, just just work for mixing." And that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at just now. Just do stuff that's fun. That's the thing, though. Mashups are good. Again, like, it's good to you can do that and then take it two sets and it be unique, and then without having the pressure of like getting things exactly right, but you're making a song like and changing it up and making it unique for the crowd, like. And it gives you the basic skills to be matching with keys and like making sure sounds aren't clashing and all that kind of stuff. It's a really, really good starting point for production is like mashups and, and stuff like that, layering vocals over songs, like really, really good starting point. 100%. But as we move on now, this is the part of the show where if you're listening to the radio show, this will be the first time you've heard. So my guest on this month's show is Summer J. We've just done the chatting, I can't say the swear word because we're on radio now, so <laughs> Steph, sorry, no swearing. Okay, noted. But, uh, 
So we've just done the podcast. This is a part of the show that's going to be on the radio. If you want to check out the podcast, head over to Spotify in the next couple of weeks and you'll be able to check out the full interview podcast with me and Sonajay. So for radio listeners, obviously, we'll just do a quick, how's it going? (laughs) Hiya. So, Steph, this is part of the show where I like to go into the this or that segment. So it's just quick fire and we're just going to get through it and see how we go if you're up for it. Yeah, I'm totally up for it. Let's do it. So, first question is, 160 or 170 BPM when it comes to hardcore, what do you prefer? Can I say 165? <laughs> uh, I had a feeling you'd be one of the awkward ones that like tries to meet in the middle. <laughs> I would say probably... Oh, I would say probably 170. Yeah. For for a rave, I would say 170, because it's yeah. just got a bit more energy. But for production-wise, I would say 160. So, do you think making music at that speed is easier as opposed to making it at 170? Um, it's not necessarily easier, but with the extra 10 BPM, you get more space, so you can you will find it's easier to like between each kick there's more space for the bass frequencies and things like that so you can actually get a fuller sound by, yeah, by I've, doing a lower I've heard frequency. A few, yeah. I've heard a few people saying that. So next one is DJing or producing? What's, what's producing your favourite? 100%. I do love DJing. I must admit I do love it but like I, like I said before like earlier there is just so you get so much value out of production and being able to make a song and release it to the world and actually make an impression on people that is so rewarding that I just don't think that there's anything that can match that 100% so the next one is lockdown has been quite a big period of everyone's life just now so I feel like I've completed Netflix I've completed Disney Plus <laughs> recommend me something recommend me something to watch on oh any streaming service honest to god I'm like the worst person for this because the only thing I could recommend and you're probably going to cringe is like Made in Chelsea and the only ways Essex are like my favourite things to watch <laughs> please no hate no hate um, that's literally all I watch and I'll give you the reason for it right like I know that sounds crazy but like I literally have no brain power to watch anything of substance by like the time I finished and eight, like I get up at quarter past five in the morning and I leave the house at six. I get into Sydney at 8am. I start work at 8.30. I work until four. I then catch the train and I get home at 6.30. I would have done production on the way home and then I like get home and I still have to cook dinner, organize everything and get into bed by nine to have a decent sleep to go to work the next day so like when I have like a whole week like this and then on like all I'm doing is production and that I have no brain power to like process anything that requires any thinking and like those shows are so garbage that there's like no thinking involved (laughs) so I love watching them and also it makes me miss the UK so much like I love the UK like it literally feels like home so watching those shows I'm like oh like I know where that is or it gives me like loads of good feelings so that's my fucking justification well, that's my sorry you're gonna have to cut that out that is my justification for watching garbage tv like that <laughs> right i'll let you off that that kind of 
but between that excuse and the fact that you actually make good music, I'll let you off. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so, next one is, if you could collab with anyone in the scene, who would it be? I'm going to say, like, oh, I don't know, like, that's hard, because obviously you would want to collab with Darren Styles because A, he's a genius, and you'd learn so much from him and obviously your exposure would be great um, but honest to God the one person that resonates with me the most is like Max Wolf I just he is so so talented like so talented and I just think he's really underrated um, and oh, even though he's, even though he's my best mate like we've never produced anything and it's funny because the reason we say this is we always joke about it and it's because he likes to have full control, so I wouldn't really get much engineering in because I'm not at the same level as him. So, like, when he produces with Jacoby, they're sort of, like, on a level playing field, you know what I mean, in terms of their skill level. So they sort of go back and forth with, the, with what they do. But because I'm not quite up to his standard, he would take control because he wouldn't want to compromise, like, the song. And so we've always laughed about it and that I would get shitty because he wouldn't allow me to do anything and then <laughs> I wouldn't end up contributing. So I was like, that would be, that's my goal is to get good enough for Max Wolf to approve a, uh, a remix with me. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a, a good goal to work. I think that's a good goal to work towards. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think hopefully one day we will get there. Next one is, what was the first track you first hardcore track sorry you ever purchased oh god i wouldn't even know i honestly wouldn't remember um okay so i just had the, there was an album that technical did and i think that i got that album would have been my first one with actual hardcore tracks on it i think yeah. i'm just trying to remember the name of it it might have been a self-titled album i don't know it was a white cover i can't remember um that probably would have been the first time i actually purchased hardcore and then it would have been when I started DJing and probably the first track I would have actually purchased the DJ would be Your Shining because it's like my all-time favorite song. Yeah, ultimate, complete classic. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Next one is, what's your favorite album compilation? Oh my god. I don't know, I, I honestly don't even know, like... I'll, I'll, have... I'll, I'll, I'll interrupt here and I'll say mine's, mine's has got to be like some bonkers or Clubland Extreme Hardcore but for nostalgic sake I've got to say bonkers for this one yeah see but that's the thing is because I was never into like bonkers so yeah, I, I would have to say that like my favourite albums would come from rock music and all the stuff that I loved like um uh-huh. Like Corn Freak on a Leash, um, Marilyn Manson. Um, yes. Uh, what was his? Um, I was like dead set obsessed. Like I used to listen to Foo Fighters and Manson, um, Queens of the Stone Age, Nirvana. I know every Nirvana song on drums. I can actually play every single one of them. Uh, but honest to God, there was a Corn. There was Corn Freak on a Leash and. The Manson album. I'm just trying to bring it up. What was oh, like? What was the album that had beautiful people on it? Um, I, I I had a T-shirt that had the album cover on it. Yeah. Like, yeah. It it's had, honestly it been like, so long. It since was I've, um, it was him. 
he had like a oh what did he have? He had like a female's body, but his head was yes, it? Yes, that's yeah. right. That's right. I, I, I know exactly <laughs> what one. So I was just like. Oh, sorry, The Golden Age of Grotesque was my other one with Manson that I used to absolutely love. Um, and it was funny because a few months ago I, I went back on Spotify to listen to them all and I just could not believe that I still knew, like, every single word. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I went and saw Manson live and everything because the drummer in Manson is, like, literally incredible. Um, and I'm, the other one that... Probably the other album that I would rank as, like, my top album that's, like, not going to be hardcore is also um, a Primus album. There was one called Antipop and also the Brown album and also Frizzle Fry. All of those were like amazing. And if you if you probably don't know who they are, but the drummer from Primus is literally like one of the best drummers of all time. And that's why I was like obsessed with it. And I used to just like sit there and just be in complete awe of like the drumming. But yeah, I think I came into hardcore too late. Do you know what I mean? Like the albums had yeah. sort of stopped by the time I had come yeah. in, and so it was more just individual singles or or whatnot. So all my albums stem from my um my metal days. Well, that kind of answers the next question. The next one was will be what was your favourite type of music outside the genre of hard dance music? But I think we covered that. Yeah. Well, outside currently outside of that, I love drum and bass and like a piano house more than regular house that more of that funky like I really love funk like that kind of sound um but before I got into this it was yeah it was like rock um Aussie rock as well there's some really classic like Australian rock bands and metal but also like not quite metal so I wasn't really into like Slipknot but I liked Manson and Korn and Primus and all those kinds of bands Queens and Stone Age and stuff so yeah I, I, I loved a bit of Slipknot. I was just a little like emo kid running about. Yeah, (laughs) it was a bit tough for me. Like it was a bit much for me, being the like person that I am. But Corn or Manson wasn't, which was weird. But I just found Slipknot to be a little bit OTT. (laughs) Yeah, I can kind of. That's you've just got to look at them to kind of understand that. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. So next question is, what's your favourite venue or event? play well my favorite is obviously playing at massive like massive main stage honestly is like amazing um one of my favorite venues though is called well used to be called the family in brisbane but i'm not sure what it's actually called now it's changed names so many times um and it's a huge venue in brisbane and we the hard edm crew used to take over um, family back in the day when like and I think they still do play there I'm not sure if they've got a new venue now but um, I supported Breeze Styles and Wizkid main stage at the family and nice. funny enough I would played straight after them was probably my biggest moment ever was like taking the stage from Darren <laughs> Styles and Mark Breeze uh, at the family but yeah that that venue I think is probably one of the best I've played at nice uh, who's the best hardcore producer out there? Oh my god, that's hard as well. Um, to be honest, I would say, like, obviously you've got Darren and Technicor would be the top. Um, yeah. In my personal opinion, other than that, I think you would have into musical ideas and production quality, definitely Max Wolf is up there. And also um, Vietnamese producer Oli P. Oh, yeah, 
Ollie is, is so talented, like so, so talented as well. Like very underrated, yeah. very not very well known, but like in terms of the best producer, he would be very very close to challenging like the likes of Darren and Stonebank and, and those guys. Like yeah. just incredible. So next one is turntables or CDJs. What would you rather play on? Um, CDJs only because I never learned how to play on vinyl, and yes, that probably means I'm not a real DJ. Um, uh. I did, I did, um, like muck around on decks. I, ha I had a housemate years ago who had vinyl before I was ever a DJ, and I used to play around on them. But um, and I have attempted to mix and have been able to, but I, it is like quite a struggle. Um, yeah, it's not as it's not as easy as CDJs. Like no, no, playing, and I've been playing for years, but like now, if I go back to turntables, I'm just like, where where does it tell me? Rusty, yeah. Like it's just where? because like those they're longer tracks too, right? So like it gives yeah. you that more space to like mix and stuff. And like I still manually beat match and all that kind of stuff, but I think with the type of music that you play now, it's so fast paced that uh, it's like it's more suitable for the modern hardcore because it's easier to sort of get through transitions like quicker whereas with vinyl like you play those really long like intros and like tracks go for like seven minutes and like all this kind of stuff you know what i mean like it's like completely different i would love to learn how to actually be confident on vinyl but i just haven't had the opportunity so the only thing is, it's too expensive to buy vinyl. Very, yeah, so expensive. Like, it's it's a it's a bad heart. Like honestly, I think I'd pick heroin over like buying vinyl. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's just yeah. I, I, what what what? I'm gutted I wasn't part of that era, but like it, yeah, I just it wasn't really my thing. So. So the next one is headlining a small club. So top top of the roster on a small club or opening up the main stage of a festival what would you rather do Ooh, i would say headlining a small club i think um mainly because like the energy is going to just going to be insane within a small club if you're the headliner and if you're opening yeah. for a festival it's like it's when people are like streaming in like it's not quite as like busy and it's also like nowhere near as personal so i think headlining a small club See, I've I've always said I'd rather headline a small club. Thinking about yeah. it now, though, see if you put me on a festival after COVID, I would love to be that first person to hit play on the decks. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> coming in. Like, but I, I, I still don't know. Think I just still think it's, that it's, I would prefer the one. intimacy of the club. Yeah, like I, I mean, I, in saying that, I would never say no if someone was going to offer me a <laughs> festival. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's like the only the only way I would pick that just now is with COVID, pre-COVID yeah. and everything like that. I'm like, yeah, give me club. give me give me the middle the middle act yeah. in a small club. I'd happily take that. But exactly. Next one is Burger King or McDonald's. What's your oh, go-to? Oh, this is easy. McDonald's all the way. Like we call it Hungry Jacks here in Australia instead of Burger King. Um, oh, but okay. it's it's garbage like i really it's <laughs> not great and the chips always taste undercooked at hungry jacks slash burger king mcdonald's is just and here in here in australia i'm not sure if you have it over there when i last went to the uk it wasn't like it here in australia we have a huge menu 
in Macca's. It's really diverse and we have really cool stuff. And the burgers are actually freshly made. So it's oh. amazing. So it's completely different to the UK. I don't like UK McDonald's. Actually, I think the Burger King I had in Magaluf was better than the McDonald's I had in the UK. But in Australia, yeah, but McDonald's 100%. Yeah, but you've got to take into consideration how drunk were you in Magaluf when you had that Burger King? Oh yeah, I was pretty. I was pretty drunk. <laughs> but it was it was a bloody good Burger King or whatever it was. Burger King or Hungry Jacks. Burger King in Magaluf. Yeah. So next one is what's the with with the times that we're living in just now and everyone saying that the earth's flat and there's all this COVID's trying to kill you. What's yeah. what's the craziest conspiracy theory that you have ever heard? I always like to ask this one. Oh my god, I don't even know. Like nothing's like crazy anymore, right? Because like all the crazy stuff has come out and it's like oh, you, it's you kind of like immune to it. Um. I don't even know. No, I can't answer that one. I'm not really sure about it. Like, COVID and all that is probably the most craziest. I'll, I'll jump in because I've got some yeah, absolute, go for it. absolute nut jobs on my Facebook. <laughs> and as I've said before, if you've, if you've listened to the show, you've probably heard this before, but there's people that I've got on Facebook that believe that the Queen, uh, Boris Johnson, Donald Trump, all the people in power, they believe that they're all lizards. Oh, so yes, like, I have heard that one. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, this seems seems legit if we're looking seems at Super legit. Mario. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But next one is, what's your favourite movie of all time? What's your go-to? Again, I don't watch a lot of movies. I used to probably more when I was younger. But I would have to say the movie that I have never laughed so hard at in, again in my life was... Super Troopers, the first one, is like probably the funniest movie I've like ever seen in my entire life. So that would be like my number one. Wait. Have you ever seen it? No, I don't think so. Oh, Super Trooper. okay. Well, then you actually need to go and watch it. Super Troopers. Yeah, it's kind of like a bit of a cult movie. Like it's not. It wasn't super like mainstream, I guess. But it's actually one of the funniest like movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm just googling just now. Okay. Yeah, I think I've got it. So, yeah. Oh, oh, Go there watch Super it. Troopers. There was a Super Troopers two off apparently. I know, and I haven't seen that, but I don't want to because you know when it's like <laughs> the first one was so good, it, they're gonna ruin it. I'm scared, yeah. but maybe I will watch it. Yeah. And next one is Apple or Android. What are you? What's your go-to? Apple oh. all the way. Yeah. Oh, I'm Android. I've, I've, <laughs> I was Apple. I was Apple, but I switched it. I had to. And the last. Is this the last question? Two seconds? Oh, no. So coming into the last couple of questions. Yeah. What is a hidden talent or interest that people don't know about you? Hmm. Well, I mean, I have spoken about it, so it's maybe not so hidden anymore, but I play the drums, so. Um, most people yeah, oh, the, the other thing that's not music related is that I, I'm actually a decent golfer weirdly enough <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't play anymore but I used to play as a kid and used to play um, like competition and was quite good and I was also played representative basketball so um, nice. yeah they're my like little hidden talents that aren't so my hidden talents anymore because I don't really play golf but I did play 
went to the driving range like a few months ago with my dad and still have it, so that's good. I I just take divots out of the ground, like yeah. I'm, I'm just like I'm I'm just I'm a I'm a gopher when it comes to that. It's just like yeah, dig, digging rabbit holes. But. Yeah. So the last two questions now. This one's a bit of a fun one. So if there was a movie made about your life, what genre would it be, and who would play you? Comedy 100% because I'm always doing <laughs> stupid shit. And I don't know, there's actually an actress that someone told me that I looked exactly like, and I remember saying, that's so weird. Because Oh, I think it was Natalie Portman they reckon I look like when I had dark hair. Um, I can't yeah, really yeah. see it, but um, yeah. other people seem to be able to see it, especially when I had, yeah, when I had dark brown hair. And there was also another TV actress that... I, that they said I looked like and when I did do a side by side I did actually look quite similar to her but she was on some American series that I don't know so I don't actually know who she is as an actor, actress um, but other than that like that's just lookalikes I would say I don't know someone like stupid and funny probably like you know that you know the <laughs> you know have you seen the movie Bridesmaids yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that blonde, the blonde one who gets really drunk on the flight and tries to sneak into first class. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. No, I reckon no. it, I reckon it would be her because that's something I would do. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And the last one is describe happy hardcore in three words. Um, oh, that's really hard. Um fast happy beats <laughs> that's really lame done. but that's all i've got no it's done <laughs> so thank you very much steph for taking the time to do this show no the radio show and not only the radio show but taking the time to do the podcast i mean i actually set a timer so i could see how long we've been doing it for and we've actually two hours two and five hours. minutes that's a so, long time <laughs> yeah so I'm, I'm sorry but joe rogan like you've got competition mate i'm i'm, I'm, I'm coming for that mantle but, I don't know how who wants to listen to me rattle on for two hours. Like, anyway. we'll we'll, fi- we'll we'll find out in a couple of weeks. Exactly. <laughs> Probably no one. So, huge thank you for taking the time to do this. Uh, before we go, please let people know where they can find you on social media and what music have you got coming out and yeah. where where they can find it all. This is your chance so, just to plug away. Sure. So my Instagram handle, which is where most of my stuff goes on, is just summer J one word S U double M A J A E. Facebook is the same as well. I don't use a lot of other social media. They're my main ones, really. Um, you can find all my releases on the label One Seventy. Um, one word, but spelt as you would spell One Seventy. Um, and I have an upcoming release, which is the Dougal remix of Take... Uh, sorry, my remix of the Dougal track, Take Me Away. Um, and that's coming out on the 29th of April. And it's the 99th release on 170, which is quite exciting. And then in the background, I do... I'm working on another remix um, from a singer-songwriter in the US. Quite a small indie um, artist that no one has probably heard of, and I'm really excited about it because it's coming together really quickly and it's really nice. So nice. I'm hoping I can get that on one of the labels, 170 or whoever else will take it. 
And then, yeah, hopefully I've got a, a collaboration with Subraver coming up, um, a young hardstyle producer from the Netherlands. So uh, that's for me at the moment. I don't like to take on too many commitments because I have a meltdown. And so that's about yeah. my limitations at the moment. So, uh, yeah, hopefully you like what comes out. So plenty new music coming from Summer J. Plenty to see on her Instagram as well. Get on it, because if you're not on her music already, you 100% should be. Uh, coming yes, up next in the radio show, and if you're listening to the podcast, it'll probably play out the podcast as well, is your guest mix. So yeah. what can we expect to hear in this guest mix, and what track should people look out for the most? Um... You should just expect to hear a lot of new upfront heavy hardcore. That's really my style um, in terms of my mixes. Obviously, make sure you listen out for my remix of Dougals, which will be included, some of my own um, original tunes, and also some unreleased stuff from the um, Japanese guys. And what else have I got in there? I'm just trying to think. Yeah, just a, a bit of a mixture of unreleased and um, released music. A lot of happy vibes, melodic vibes, and upfront hardcore. Wicked. I'm really looking forward to this. So, without further ado, before we hit play on this mix, could you please introduce your guest mix for the Hardcore Takeover? Sure. Hi, this is Summer J, and you're listening to my guest mix on the Hardcore Takeover. Oh my god, I can't believe that went for that long. <laughs> You never know what's coming at you Make you hot and make your blue skin sticky like me. I just roll back with the shit I do I do, I do, I do, I do, you got it. You wanna ride with the monster Front row ticket at my concert Look at all the crowns I've conquered I'm the storm, I'm the lightning, I'm the thunder You wanna ride with the killer I'm the shit, holla at me, I'm the illas I make it big, I don't need I'm the storm, I'm the lightning, I'm the thunder 
One, two, one, two. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I love and can't stop loving. Get wasted at parties from nine till seven in the morning. I live for the music, rolling blunts, feeling high, getting loaded, or take some pills and go to La La Land. Spending all my money on dope and extreme high price tickets. But in the end, it's all worth it. I like to live in my own world. Fuck regular life. Fuck a nine to five job. I'm told to enjoy every moment, every hour, every minute. That's what I do on Fridays and Saturdays. Why should I take life so seriously? I just want to do what I like to do. Be it far from reality, because I can't stand society. It's my own world. I just want to hear the music. I think the whole system fucking sucks. Everybody's working their fucking ass off during the week, getting totally fucking stressed out. So what's wrong and what's right? I live for the weekend. I live for hard styles. I live for hard style, baby. Come on, let's go! Uh-huh. 
Take me out of the room when you're here. 